And welcome to another edition of our 2022 World Cup Breakdown. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. And in this episode, we are going to be getting in to everyone's favourite dark horse, Uruguay. TK, are you tired yet of hearing them be called everyone's dark? They're not quite Belgium levels. They're approaching it though, aren't they? I've heard one too many people tell me it as a completely original thought. Yeah, the difficulty is, if you engage with people who aren't really online much as well, then they will think that's an original thought. So you get the crossover. <laughs> people online tip it, and then people offline who don't realise it's being tipped up. And you've got a lot of people talking about this Dark Horse underdog. There's also one international tournaments as well, by the way. So this, <laughs> this really plucky underdog. I had, I had a message um, from someone today, out of the blue, and they were like, just going to put it on the record with you, mate. Serbia going far this tournament and France aren't getting out of the group. <laughs> now that is bold. See, that's more like it. Um, How much do you know about Uruguay as a nation? Only a little bit. So you're going to blow my mind here, I'm sure. <laughs> the biggest consumer of beef in the world? That's pretty impressive. The country's only got 4 million people, <laughs> less than 4 million, I think. So they're getting for a lot. Um, it has the longest national anthem in the world. Do you know how long? Yes. You 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 don't want to see a Uruguayan facing Canelo. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so basically... they 5am, you go, no, this can't be happening. They had this just mammoth anthem that originally had 11 verses where effectively it was like a diss track. Every verse singled out one of Spain, Portugal and Brazil as their colonisers. Nice. And just said all these horrible things about them. So now only the chorus and the first verse are sung, but within Uruguay they still give you the full six-minute anthem. Oh, you need to give a run up of that. So over 150 bars in there. Nice. I don't know if you'll have seen this now that you've got uh, Darwin in the team. So Lucas Torreira didn't speak much when we had him, but every interview would go on about this um, mate drink. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yerba Suarez mate. was mad for it. Yeah. He always and had it. Torreira would... Whenever you would... Um, you know, you see him get him off the yeah. bus with the headphones, but he'd always have this thing in his hands. Yeah, and yeah. Torreira would... Like, he'd be asked about a goal against Spurs, and he'd be like, well, it's because of the... <laughs> and he'd mm. go on telling you about yeah. this drink. Um, made from the leaves of the Yerba Mate plant and boiling water. It looks fucking horrible. But... Apparently, uh, apparently it doesn't taste particularly nice, but they... Um, one of those things where I think you grow up with it in your culture, and then you're convinced it is great. And it gives you the strength to play football. Yeah, one of those things as well, the more you read about it, they're real questionable in terms of, they say about these health benefits, but also people say like, this is like riddled with caffeine. And they say like, your heart is probably going, what are you doing to me? So it's a questionable, questionable one. Um, yeah, Uruguayans love it. Um, Uruguayans celebrate Gnocchi Day on the 29th of each month. Gnocchi Day? Yeah. Okay. Thanks um, for that. I guess when you're drinking Each this month, drink soft. Yeah, the 29th Each of every month. month. Not just once. February, you don't have one, I guess. Um, now, there is no salt in restaurants in Uruguay. Uruguay has had problems with obesity and arterial pressure due to many citizens eating double the amount 
that the WHO recommends. Yeah, they're eating fucking double the cows and everyone. <laughs> so to combat this, Every other person's the government introduced laws to make salt less accessible. The salt shaker has been banned. Jeez. Um, salt is banned from all schools and from being served on tables in restaurants. If you want salt, you have to ask the waiter to bring some to you. The same applies to ketchup and mayo. That's to really like expose you. So look, we've got a salt eater over here. <laughs> um, and uh, Shavito is Uruguay's national dish. Now we've heard some questionable ones here. This is phenomenal. Okay, I'm relieved. It's a sandwich consisting of a thin slice of steak, mozzarella, tomatoes, mayo, olives, not ideal, bacon, eggs, ham, served in a bun with some French fries as well. Good God. And the story goes, a guy went into a little restaurant and asked them for goat and they didn't have any. And so this guy said, I promised him goats. I need to now provide him something that's going to impress him more than what I would have offered. And so he just put all of his best things in a sandwich, brought it out. And the classic story of the guy goes and tells everyone, I had the best sandwich I've ever had. You need to get to this place here. Nice. And it becomes such a thing that it's one of their national dishes. It was better than goat, would you believe? (laughs) You can't go too wrong with bacon, eggs, ham, cheese, steak. (laughs) They've gone a little bit more straight down the line, haven't they, than than with the goat one? Yeah, I saw a picture of it. It looked unreal. Yeah, that sounds good. Something that perhaps isn't so nice. Oh, no. Uruguay style of play. <laughs> Diego Alonso replaces um, Oscar Tabarez, and Tabarez was a guy who was loved over there until it went wrong. And I think he lost four matches on the spin. They said, we've had enough. We've got a World Cup coming up. See you later. Somewhat relieved for him. He must have been about 106. <laughs> so, Well, they play like a 4-2-2-2 formation, which you won't have heard since Rangnick was at United but I was looking at their kind of squad lists in previous years and do you, do you remember if you ever did random or whatever and you got Argentina on FIFA and you had to find a way to put Messi Higuain Cavani you're human that someone had to miss out yeah uh, Cavani Tevez um, yeah so Dybala and you had to get everyone in and so mm. you'd play one of these mad formations that mm. just had like all attackers this would them the likes of Cavani Darwin Nunes Palistri Torres so, so on they've effectively tried to find a formation where they can get everyone in and they describe them as false wingers in that essentially all these guys want to be central <laughs> and so that's why they play in Pelistri and Torres and they get significant minutes is because they'll hold some width compared to some of the other guys that they have in and around the lineup. Mm. They play pretty much how you would imagine them to play I was looking at a a graph and it was breaking down these international sides in that quadrant and um, the style of play they have they have a below average rating for passes per sequence but above average direct speed so they they basically don't waste time getting it forward it's not strictly long ball it's a bit more precise than that but But you can be direct without being long ball can't you they also if we thought the Belgium had some pensioners at the back like Godin still knocking about I couldn't believe it when I realised he's still going I was like Jesus so they, they don't waste any time like they're not asking Petacek to play with the ball out from the back in Godin they're saying we know what you are so we'll work with it 
Luis Suarez, still their key man. Very cool that he's gone back, won a title again, finished, and he's like, I'll go to the World Cup and show everyone just how good I am still. That is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. He's now 35, which as nowadays, that's getting... He's got some miles on the clock, though. I mean... Yeah, I think with a, with a player like his, and I'm using them as an example, these should be the type of guys that Man City bring in to play if we're ever in any trouble and we want to bring an extra guy on and they get to think they're still playing at a high level. Yeah. It's essentially what United tried to do with Cavani. But <laughs> they're shit yeah. and he didn't want to be there. Uh, yeah, and then they pissed him off by saying, really, this, this guy we prefer has actually come in. So yeah. if we can just take the number off you. Yeah. He scored eight times in qualifying the most of any Uruguayan, but five of those were penalties. <laughs> um, he scored 14 out of 15 from the spot for his country. I saw a thread on uh, Twitter today, a post on Twitter today, with people calling Ghana Uruguay the biggest robbery. And people saying, I, I can't believe people hated Suarez doing this. I thought at the time, at least from memory, people were pretty unanimous in. Fair play. That's like one of the least selfish things we've ever seen on a football field. And it was as good a drama as we could have seen in a tournament that was largely dominated by, look how this football moves. Yeah, 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 exactly. How noisy it is, Rufus Ellis. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the, the thing was at the time they said, that's a shithouse thing to do, and yet we would all want our player to do yeah. it. Curiously, had you already got Liverpool move at that point, would people have perceived it slightly differently? I think I could probably have a guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's what we want all of our players to do. I did see someone post on this because you said that, that tweet was getting a lot of traction. So someone say, he gave them a 90% chance yeah. of getting through. So they should have scored that penalty and, and they get through. And the Jean penalty I actually think is unforgivable <laughs> because what is he doing smashing that? You yeah. just stick in the call like he does in the one in the shootout. Yeah. And think about it later. He's not, Easy for you to say when it's not last kick of the game, I know. I mean, on a podcast we did either with Troy or with Jack, where we watched that game back, didn't we? Mm. And we were yeah. just all kind of like, stop this conversation for a second and just watch this unfold. I do think you got a you got the glimpse of Suarez with it. It wasn't necessarily the act. It was celebrating down the tunnel when he misses the penalty. It shows you like he is not shying away from this at all. He's fully going to lean into it. No, but I do... Which... He's only demonstrating how anyone would actually feel. Well, but it's just, most people probably mask it a little bit, whereas he just won't. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, um, and I, I get you might say it's the right thing to do. I remember Chelsea, when they won the Champions League, they're all celebrating. The first thing Mason Mount does is go over and console Phil Foden. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this after, at least. Yeah run around the pitch like... <laughs> Go mental for five, ten yeah. minutes. You can think about that later. Um, further back down the pitch, they've got Valverde, whose stock is as high as it's ever going to have been. Man United had the chance to sign him two or three windows ago. And he wasn't the player he is now. But I think Real Madrid were asking for about 50 million, which 50 million then wasn't 50 million now, but... We were looking at him then as far, a far more um, primarily defensive player in their system. This was... They thought Cruz and Modric were going to be gone by this point. 
and yeah, they were still yeah. knocking about. And he hadn't really found what he was going to be, but he was still being spoken about in such a way. And they chose not to do that. I can't think who they signed in the meantime, but it wasn't anyone half as good. Think of the money they go on to drop on Donny. I mean, <laughs> well, it, it's believed that after they signed uh, Chuameni, who we know Liverpool are after, Liverpool at least said, does this mean he's going to be free? And they politely told you <laughs> where to go. Or I think Real Madrid are, are fairly upfront, aren't they, that every one of these players has a price because we're Real Madrid and we can get someone better. Mm. But they also, considering you played them twice in Champions League finals over the last five years or whatever, they weren't going to do you a favour. And they're also... We'll bully you. You're never going to bully us. No, it's why you have to thank Zidane's beautiful bald head that we got Erdogan for the price we did. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And this is away from Endrick, but I was thinking today, the thing with him, that's probably the closest that we've seen to um, the kind of parade around Erdogan, isn't it? When you think of a 16-year-old talent that everyone is yes. quite yeah, yeah, yeah. openly yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of floating around. And Erdegaard did the thing as well, didn't he? Where he kind of toured around everywhere. Klopp said he he visit, he flew out and visited his family and then he goes to see Real Madrid and it's like... It's crazy thing with him. That was like he was 14, 15. And yeah. naturally what happens when people do that is everyone says, well, he won't be shit. He won't do anything yeah. because he's just going to be Freddie Adu or whatever that people say. So the fact that he has gone on to do it is pretty remarkable. Yeah, he made his debut at 14 years old in senior football. That's and got, crazy. He got two assists. That's mad. And the fans were... There's a big piece in the Athletic actually about looking at the games before he turned 15 professionally. That's And it's, that's it's some of the blokes he's playing against. I understand it's like um, probably being a 14-year-old playing in Uruguay would be a lot different to being a 14-year-old playing in in uh, Norway yeah, <laughs> yeah. still I at a far lesser level at six I'll be honest at 16 years old I was looking at men's football in at Brockworth and was like there is no way I'm going anywhere near that and the other thing obviously being it's hardly like he was like Lukaku would have been at age group level where you go where no. he was probably bigger than everyone else stronger ahead of his development I'm sure Odegaard was probably a classic skinny sort of guy. Yeah, they so. put him on the wing and they mm. basically, his dad had been a player previously and told him, don't speak unless you're spoken to. Go out there and just make sure you kind of justify why this is yeah. happening. Yeah. And then he gets picked up by the top academy there very quickly and then on again. But I'm sure. Incredible. Um, Valverde was spoken about by Suarez recently who told uh, Marsa Fede has similar characteristics to Gerard. Box to box, gets forward, change of pace, shoots. Fair comparison? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now he's added more goals to his game as well. That was the thing you would have questioned with him. We say that he had a bet with Ancelotti, didn't he? Yeah. Told him he had 10 or 15? 10, I think. 10. And then he's delivered, fair play. <laughs> Their weakness. We spoke about Belgium, Last Dance. We spoke about Croatia. Some people have left the dance and some others are saying, <laughs> come on, put one more song on. Some people are still being dragged to the floor. 
Suarez, Cavani, Martin Gasseres, Fernando Muslera, Diego Godin are all 34 or older. So there are question marks over their capacity to perform at a high level. Godin still managed the most minutes of any Uruguayan in qualifying. So there is something to that. I guess he's fortunate that he's been 48 forever. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of expected him, Bonucci, Chiellini to all just Just, kind of drop off at the exact same time. So there's a lack of pace in that bat line. He's mm. basically their issue. But if you look at um, Jimenez as well, probably the worst he's looked in his career so far. Atleti obviously has a whole aren't looking good, but I know there's concerns there about how he's looking. Yeah, I, I was convinced he was going to get the move and he was linked with Chelsea for a fair while. Yeah. And he fit in quite wide, quite nicely in when they went to a three at the back. And- Let's face it, for a period, Godin was being talked about as, one of, if not the best centre-half around for a period. And was getting linked with that move away and never quite did. And it's sort of like, well, Jimenez will learn from him and he'll get the move. Well, Godin was being spoken about as essentially doing what Thiago Silva's done at Chelsea for Man United. Yeah, correct. And I think Man United probably didn't want to pay his wages, to be fair, because there is a misconception with Atletico that they're these guys and they come in, they play for 30 grand a week and they're just dogs yeah. on the field. And then Simeone is the highest paid manager in football several <laughs> Twice over as well, by the way. Uh, so that is a, a, a bit of that there. And I don't know, there's something, a Brazilian and an Italian, they kind of get away with the, um, you know, they know the trick to the game. More than sometimes someone like Godin would quite unfairly be you know, he kicks people around and mm. he does this at the right time. One of those things, though, I know I've spoken about it before with like, um, as you get older, they give you more leeway. Like with Pepe, where it was like, suddenly went from this guy that everyone hated to, oh, yeah. crafty old yeah, wily veteran. Yeah. You are. And I know, because even in the, I remember, God, putting myself through Uruguay-Egypt as the first game of um, 2018, for the first game for them. And that was just a dross game. But they were, again, praising that yeah. Gadeen was that, sort of shithouse player so the issue that's so their best point is how quickly they get it forward but also it's their worst point when you see how old their back line is that Mm. they don't keep the ball very well because it's just zero to a hundred zero to a hundred and so when you have a back line as old as this I think Godin's quite openly said they can't allow themselves to be in a position to be counter-attacked which can then mean you just have this chasm in the middle of the field in where the midfield is either way, like they're protecting the back four or they're joining the attack. And so they'll need to manage that in some way. I think it could be a case of get a goal and then we see some of the dirtiest football you're going to see. But they've got to choose who they have up top. It hasn't. It's not a given that it's going to be Suarez and Nunes. I think... There's an Instagram post from Suarez and Nunes together, which wouldn't mean much, but does to me indicate there's a partnership there. And if I'm the manager, that's what I'm doing. I'm having the guy who can play 90 minutes and then if I need to swap Suarez for Cavani or bring Cavani on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They have a lot of their goals coming from throw-ins because they win the second ball Mm. and they know their limitations what they need to maximise they've just got this abundance of penalty box forwards in Nunes Cavani Suarez and they if it's one of them going to finish it 
Suarez is no stranger to putting a peach of a cross in the box. And Nunes, we've all had a laugh and a, a joke about Nunes. The guy knows how, if he's not putting the ball in the back of the net, he knows how to cause a dangerous situation. And I don't think he's going to put a floated chipped cross to the back post. But if he knows he's got two other guys in there scrambling across the goal, sometimes it's just about putting it in an area. Yeah. From the the type of team they are, fits the type of player he is. It's kind of a little bit no-nonsense and direct. And um, he, he could be a shining light for them. Uh, I think he's going to need to sort of lead the line and show a lot of energy because at this point, Suarez and Cavani, for all... They'll have one last big hurrah in them, I'm sure. They'll put every ounce of effort into it. They are mid-30s. They aren't going to be able to do what they used to do. No, him and it's, Valverde, they need to set the tempo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it'll be on Suarez and Godin to slow the game down when it needs to be slowed down. Yeah. And everyone's going to love Uruguay's tactics until we play them or someone else plays them. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. going to be that way about it. There's plenty of familiar faces in this squad. You've got Fernando Muslera, as we said, Diogo Godin, Jose Jimenez, uh, Ronald Darouge at the back from Barcelona, who's recovered from uh, a thigh injury. They didn't think he was going to make the squad. Mm. So we'll see how much he plays because he looks unbelievable. And yeah. in the same way I said about Saliba, and this guy just looks like... I don't want to be running at him. He has that look about him as well yeah. of just a proper defender. Yeah. Sebastian Cuartes is still in there. Caceres. Um, he's, he's done well at Lisbon, to be fair, yeah. Cuartes. Really sort of turned it but around. They've also got um, Manuel Ugart, mm. who looked very good in the games against uh, Spurs in the Champions League because outside of Clips, that was my first time seeing him. Yeah. I seen him pop up on Football Manager last year, but that can be a mixed a mixed Definitely bag. can be misleading, yeah. Rodrigo Benton Kerr, Lucas Torreira, Maxi Gomez is still getting about. And then, as I said, Fernando Torres, Cavani, Palistri. In Ugarts, Benton Kerr, Torreira, Valverde, that's legs in there. That's legs in there. If, if, you, if you've yeah. got an agent back line, an agent front line, that's someone in there that they need to be on their game. I don't think Torreira is setting the world a lot of Galatasaray, but one thing that guy is going to do is he's going to run and he's going to run and he's going to run. Benton Kerr is in the best form we've ever seen him in. Yeah. Like Spurs fans maybe went a bit overboard. I probably would be in their shoes. There's not a lot else to shout about. But <laughs> there was that one, I don't know how much you'd have seen actually on the way back. There was a moment in the Liverpool game and your midfield is not, I know, field. I know the moment you're referring to. I did to yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah rinsed them. Eighteen, well, however long he's been there. A year ago, we weren't associating those kind of movements with his game. In fact, I think we spoke about him. Juventus fans celebrated getting rid of him. Well, ironically, it's the most impressed I've been with him since the 2018 World Cup. Well, I was watching him that thinking someone's getting a fucking hell of a player here <laughs> and it hasn't obviously quite worked for him at Juve but that's why when Spurs signed him I thought well this could be a good signing and then you saw the comments from the Juve fans like okay well they've seen a bit more of him than I have then well, maybe think, not so much I think I said I because, thought I had another Suso on my hands yeah I remember explaining to, to Alex and I that in the least patronising way possible I was saying in the simplest way Kuliszewski getting a guy who can play as a 10 can play as a winger 
hasn't lived up to the potential that he showed early, but Spurs will hope they can get the best out of him. Obviously, they have done. And then in Benton Kerr, he was seen as a guy that didn't take many risks, mm-hmm. um, made far too many mistakes at Juventus within the minutes he was playing, and certainly wasn't a guy who was bombing around the pitch like he is and beating players and pressing forwards. And Juventus have done that to a lot of players, so maybe we should You've just got to look at them. Yeah, listening for sure. to them. For sure. And I do think it's helped a lot of guys. Like I'm not sure United look at some of the players that we've seen them link with. So maybe it's going to help someone like Weston McKenney, who everyone's gone quiet on because of injury issues as well. But maybe it helps some of these guys who are stinking the place out there and say, okay, this may be, let's look at the form they had beforehand because... The funny thing with Benton is he's one of those players, whenever I've seen him for Spurs, I thought, well, he's looking really good here. Yeah. In this 18-month period. But he's even really started getting more hype last probably few weeks and months, hasn't he? Really he, a proper he hype. He's one of the better midfielders in the league. And I was kind of like, well, obviously when I'm not watching them, he must just not be very good then. Or just average and not doing anything. Because every time I see it, I think he looks... Looks the player looks kind of what I had in my mind they were getting, um, and now he's starting to get the hype. And maybe he's obviously doing more consistent. Well, Spurs also keep putting themselves in a position in which they have to go for it, which you're seeing. Yeah, and they're playing teams, and I'm not even doing this in a anti-Spurs thing, but, but hey, why not? Well, not even that, but you'll <laughs> see you're seeing them in Benton Kerr the games that he's looked best in. Now he looked good in the Liverpool game, so I'll put that aside from the point I'm going to make there, which I don't know if that damages the point or not, but against Leeds and against uh, Bournemouth, he came on at halftime in the Bournemouth game and he played the Leeds game. And some of his best moments there have been dragging them to, to get it. And Bournemouth have retreated back and back and back. And a guy with his technical ability, that's that's his thing. And I think we've seen with players, you give them that added level of responsibility and some of them shy away from it and some of them take it. Now, Kuliszewski and Benton Kerr have both seen that. Maybe they've seen a lack of other players around them doing it and it can be kind of, I'm more important than I thought I was. Yeah. And you can shine in that because I don't know how many of them are going to start together. Benton Kerr, you got, and I don't know if I keep butchering that. I'm trying to say how the commentary said it there. And um, Valverde, that's as good of a midfield trio. Yeah, yeah. As, as nice, we've seen. Nice blend as well in there. Good match yeah. for each other. Like, if, I don't know how the draw goes, but we were talking about the Belgian midfield with um, De Bruyne, Tielemans and Witzel. Mm. I, don't, I don't say that that one is on a significantly lesser level. I... <sighs> I might prefer that way only because I'm big on Valverde. I might be swinging yeah, for yeah. me. But, he's, um, he's he's the guy. Like I've got a Madrid shirt in there, and Benzema's obviously the one after the year he's had. But Valverde's the name I'm yeah, yeah getting on there, and he only looks better and better and better. And obviously, we spoke about obviously how they're not necessarily a possession based team and whatever. Benzegu can obviously be one of the ones who can maybe get a foot on the ball a little bit more. I've been reading a little bit around more about, um, I don't know, I'm going to butcher the name, Diaris Scatter, basically playing for in the middle for Flamengo. And they said he's probably the most technical player in this team in terms of you looking for a playmaker. He's more like it. I was interested to see, have a, a look out for him. Someone obviously we're not seeing a lot of. No. And he's been talked up as 
one of those players who probably was tipped for something but hasn't made that move and now could actually be fulfilling his potential. Well, people are seeing now that you can still get this talent in Brazil and it doesn't have to be that you have to get these guys at 16, 17 years old. There is a theory that sometimes these Brazilian clubs just give some random kid from their academies a first team debut because all these European teams go... This 16 year olds just debuted yeah. for Corinthians. <laughs> yeah. We need a bit of money. Get him throw him in the first team and uh, we'll cash in. Well, the team that Ituano that sold Martinelli have been promoted twice. I did uh, see that, yeah. Since um, they built a whole new infrastructure with the money. Yeah, I, th- I think when you look down that squad, I can certainly see the style of play they're going to have, but I don't think we should write them off as being. I guess same with you about Letico. Like they're just an ugly team. No, I think that, they've got like, a bit more than that. They've got football in them. Yeah, and I think with the right dance partner, that's a fun watch because it's, just, it's interesting to see how they they stuck up. And let's face it, if you've got Darwin up top, you're kind of interested to see just the chaos of what happens. Him and Suarez, you can be watching them together. Like, what the hell am I seeing? Well, it is the thing with um, Darwin as well, and it's put some Arsenal fans off him not not me personally you may have got the give it a bit of time though. Yeah, well, you could go that oh, way you may, you may got it yeah while we're top of the league Liverpool fans telling me well look Darwin scored the same amount of goals as Jesus I'm not I, I remember doing the same and saying well Aubameyang's got more goals than Firmino Firmino <laughs> well, even, even Mane and Salah and it's well he's got the same as them and it's you know, but, uh, well, when, when I was saying that to Liverpool fans they were like we're also in a Champions League final. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm also Liverpool are never going to sign Jesus. We were never going to sign Darwin. It's yeah. these pages like ESPN that it's easy clicks, isn't it? Darwin, if he's not your man, you've got nothing rising on it. It's a t- I just love watching a, a player. I love watching Antonio at West Ham. <laughs> and I keep using that comparison. And it, Darwin is a far better player. Mm. I just like that moment where you see the defender and they're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that chaos is is great. And it's and he there was a page, there was a clip recently, he was with one of these YouTubers, like these football pages, and they were challenging him and it could have gone badly from what people say of him. <laughs> but like a shooting drill, and it was first one's a penalty, then it's one touch and it's outside the area. He bangs every single one as he as he's we Professional footballers constantly have to remind people like how much better they are yeah, than like talk the to us nice. Like, yeah. And a player who doesn't necessarily have if you were to look on FIFA at the stats of him and Jesus, Jesus is probably gonna be higher on certainly more broader. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes it's I like to see a player when they're just getting everything out of what they've got. Yeah. And that's so much more pleasing to see. And when you see that, we've done, it feels very patronising. And it's I'm also just, with the modern players, just different, isn't it? Yeah. It's different to what we've got. Certainly different to anything that Liverpool have had. Well, there was the thing that the nine is back when Haaland joined City and then you got Darwin and it was like the nine's back in. Now we're both shitting out. <laughs> and there is, the- so, there is something to that. We saw there's certainly a need to have more options and if mm. Darwin gives you nothing else yeah 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 it may be that Torres or Pellestri 
don't kick off the tournament well, Cavani's banging on the door and he says, well, let's get the two guys up top and you're going to go wide. Mm. Yeah, 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 true. Because I, I do think that's a conversation for another podcast. I think that's Liverpool's next issue is that Darwin has been so successful out wide. because when Luis Diaz Yeah, back, because you yeah. can minimise some of the issues that he was yeah. he was having. But I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. It's going to be annoying hearing somebody say, I told you, I told you how good they were. Incredibly annoying, yeah. But anyone that can throw themselves in the mix, we spoke yesterday or Monday about, well, I want to see one of these guys against a Brazil or an Argentina and say, well, now show us what you got. Because they're more than just we're really going to time waste and we're going to kick it around, but they're going to make you uncomfortable, and we'll see how that goes. It's certain level with Uruguay in terms of the storyline there. Obviously, them versus Brazil would be great. Them and Argentina just hate each other. Uh, Uruguay, Uruguay in itself is a great story because of the. If they do go far, you're going to hear a lot about the population size. So brace yourself for that. A little bit like with the Villarreal, whenever they have a Champions League, <laughs> yeah. you know the population of Villarreal. Um, and obviously the first World Cup winners, first World Cup winners. Yeah. So there's something a bit of history to them. It's always good if they can have a run. There's a good feel about that. Uh, that so team. they reached the quarterfinals in two of their last three tournaments. They're going to be expected to make a deep run, essentially because they've got the last chance tag yep. on them. And so there's a level of expectation. Um, not the easiest group. No. Like if, if the three and four, what they're supposed to be, is Ghana and South Korea, that's not... You know, it's not gimmies. We, we, yeah, we don't know what Portugal are going to turn up, but it's been spoken about like it's kind of a given it's going to be Portugal and Uruguay. Hmm. Both Portugal and Uruguay could easily be self-sabotaging and they could yeah. easily not get going. Um, feels lazy to say Uruguay know how to win, but that's just one of... We spoke about um, Mexico and what we associate with them. We think they'll get over the finish line like they did against us in 2014. Hmm. Um but whoever does finish second is probably facing Brazil in the second round. So Ouch. maybe in this one, in the same way, we won't see players getting rested in the third game, which could be to the detriment. If you do then have to play, if you play your full strength team and then you've got Brazil, some of these older guys, they could, they could be struggling. Yeah, I mean, Suarez and Cavani can't play all those minutes. Just can't. Who do you think is top in the group? I think Uruguay will. I think they will. Um, trust them a little bit more particularly with this situation going into the Portugal situation yeah. um, just trust Uruguay a little bit more You're running through that team there was I think they've got a bit of everything it's it probably they've probably got a little bit more craft than I thought as well as sort of the more uh, shithouse elements that they've got and on the opposite they, they have a, a bit more um, technique than I thought they initially had that's I what started. I meant with uh, oh, sorry. craft as a bad yeah. choice of words yeah I just associate that with Simeone uh, at Leti, and that's what you hear. Yeah, just a nice yeah, yeah, way yeah. of saying the pundits can't say shit out on the TV. I think <laughs> yeah. that should be allowed, to be fair. I think you're allowed that, yeah, <laughs> certainly. After the watershed, come on. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Uruguay, it's going to be very interesting to see them. How early in the tournament do we get to see them? Let's have a quick uh, Quite late, isn't it? Because the Next Thursday. Mm. Yeah, against Korea first. So, if if Benton Kirk can like put an elbow in on Sun or something, like we <laughs> there we go. Before I get too ahead of myself, thank you for listening to another World Cup breakdown. Adios. <laughs>